Tonight on Fake Ritual, a grandmother claims to be living with the ghost of her dead husband. Is this a supernatural reunion? Or is grandma simply watching too much TV? Oh, Bob, is that you? Your touch is so cold, yet so hot. Now, turn that TV down! A college sorority claims to be vampires. Is this some sort of good-natured prank? Or are real bloodsuckers looking to pledge? Like, I'm crazy wasted off this blood. Kill me, please. <laughs> In Pennsylvania, a family is looking for answers to their father's disappearance. Did he merely vanish into thin air? Or did his butt chemicals cause spontaneous human flatulation? Oh, God. Oh, I don't feel so good. Oh, God! Oh, God! Honey? Are you in here? Ah! What is that smell? Listen closely. Perhaps you may be able to help fake a ritual. Greetings, all ye fakers, and welcome to Episode 7 of Fake Ritual, the podcast, your guide to pop culture and the occult. I'm your host, Lucas Sloppy, and on today's show, I sit down for a lovely little chat with one Miss Erica Adamson. She's a florist, a kind soul, and an all-around gem, not to mention my partner of some five years now. Five beautiful years spent religiously consuming today's topic together, Unsolved Mysteries. We delve into what makes the show tick, share a few of our favorite episodes, and ask why Robert Stack's voice sent shivers down many a grandmother's spine. We had so much fun making this episode. Join us, won't you? program is about unsolved mysteries. Whenever possible, the actual family members and police officials have participated in recreating the events. What you're about to see is not a news broadcast. I am delighted to welcome to the show a local florist and my personal sweetheart, Erica Adamson. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to to talk with you and talk with me in our home in our home yes we are at home uh doing home things uh but today's topic is one near and dear to my heart debuting in the late 1980s this documentary tv series covered the unexplained in a way that was accessible to young and old alike with his signature voice host robert stack took us on a journey through this mysterious world of ours and kept us laughing, crying, and screaming along the way. So, Erica, when did you start watching Unsolved Mysteries? I started watching Unsolved Mysteries with my grandma. Um, we, mm -hmm. a lot of nights falling asleep on the couch to Robert Stack's amazing voice. 
I enjoyed watching scary stuff before bed, I guess. Well, I've met your grandmother, but let's pretend I haven't. Uh, <laughs> what was your grandmother looking for in the show? What did she think about the show? Well, at the time we were watching it, my grandfather had passed away very recently. Mm. And I, I think maybe like the ghost aspect of it, maybe. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And also just, you know, she watched a lot of Lifetime. Yes, yes. I think it's pretty cool that a lot of my memories watching TV with my grandma was of, like, adult shows. We didn't watch a lot of, like, kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Unsolved Mysteries was at least accessible to, it was kind of a family show. Yeah. But definitely, like, playing with adult themes. I relate to you in that I watched it with my grandmother as well. Uh, I know. It's like one of the first things we bonded over, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> and specifically like it coming from the Lifetime channel, which is like it was Unsolved Mysteries, Golden Girls, Golden Girls. and Dallas. And I, I knew if Dallas was on, I was up too late. Yeah, I don't really remember Dallas too much, but Golden Girls and Unsolved Mysteries for sure. So what... What effect did you think the series had on you seeing it that young? And Yeah, I feel like it opened my mind to a lot of like supernatural mm -hmm. um, topics. I had never seen anything like it. I mean, I was five, six, seven at the time. Uh, so like seeing ghosts and UFOs and things of that nature for a young person. Yeah. When it's not really talked about. Definitely. There wasn't many shows on at the time like this. No. Uh, it just kind of stood alone for a good while as like the way to get real stories, quote mm -hmm. unquote, about not just your standard mysteries, but supernatural paranormal ones. Yeah, definitely. Right alongside, which looking back was really funny to like be watching it with my grandma mm -hmm. like yeah i have no memories of watching it with my parents only my grandmother yeah and i don't really i mean i remember the music coming on and being terrified but as soon as i heard robert stack's voice just being like completely i know in yeah. trance with uh, the man <laughs> yeah it just kind of gave it this grounding yeah that was undeniable yeah he like draws you in and that, like, deadpan just... Yeah, the dude doesn't <laughs> smile. He doesn't blink. He just walks towards camera from out the fog. Well, yeah, when <laughs> we were watching that interview, um, him and Conan... Maybe we watched him on Conan O'Brien. Yeah, it was really strange to see him smiling. <laughs> yeah, it was actually creepier than Unsolved Mysteries itself to yeah, see this like, man. Yeah, like, I don't know this man. Who is this... <laughs> Were there any particular segments that jumped out to you as a kid that you like still remember that kind of like... One for sure that I always think about is the neighborly ghost. Okay. And it's about a young girl named Heidi. Um, two ghosts come and visit her and they're friendly ghosts. They play with her. It's they classic. They're like older men. And I think I might have connected with that because of my grandfather passing away okay. at the time. Yeah. They would come visit her, play with her. But then it turned into these like darker spirits oh. that were like haunting her. Yeah. And um, I just remember like watching 
an episode and she she's like laying on the bed and then all of a sudden this ghost comes and like sits next to her and like the bed starts sinking in yeah like the impression appears yeah and then she would like wake up in the middle of the night with scratches on her body it was just really scary because as a young child you're just like oh my god this is real like this yeah is this little girl's reality like that could happen to me the segments that stood out to me oddly enough weren't the paranormal ones more so the like killer on the loose yeah. ones because as a kid you don't really have any concept of distance. Mm-hmm. So whether that story's coming from Texas, California, uh, you know, Nebraska, they're all you there. hear is that they're out there. Mm-hmm. So like I definitely had f- like scary fantasies of like you know, as soon as Robert Stack would say, like, they're still out there, I would immediately imagine a man in the bushes outside of the window in my grandmother's room where we were watching the show. Yeah. Like, so it definitely was some of the earliest, probably watched this before I watched any actual horror movies. And this was a documentary, you know, it it presented everything Mm -hmm. with interviews with the real people about real scenarios that they at least believed happened. It was the original creepypasta. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Before you could just hop online and, and yeah, seek out these, these stories that could be real, could not be like all you had was Mr. Stack. (laughs) So... You know, you watch it growing up, but do you think the show has informed your outlook today and the way you see the world? Uh, yeah, I think it's opened my mind in a lot of ways. Um, I would say that I do believe in, like, other life forms and, like, hauntings and... I don't know, I just feel like it as a young child watching something like that, it was... Yeah, it just opened up my mind in mm-hmm. ways that, like, I I wasn't really getting from any other source. Yeah, it took the subject matter really seriously mm-hmm. and kind of just, like, gave you the facts, gave you the claims of these people. But at no point did it really feel like it was telling you what to believe. I think that's what I took away from it, especially into my life now, that, like, some things... Some questions don't have answers, mm-hmm. and they won't have answers. The mysteries. And the mystery, yeah. and mm-hmm. some things are worth just the mystery. Yeah. You don't need to know what happened or if it's real or not. It's about that in-between space. Sure, yeah, I agree. Do you think the show, because we watched it with our grandmas, mm-hmm. love our grandmas. <laughs> uh, also, listeners... Lucas's grandmother looks well looked my my grandmother died a few years ago god bless her or satan bless her Uh, yeah Catherine Sarah Catherine Hughes I honestly think it was like subliminally the show like (laughs) affected her we laugh about it in a loving way yes yeah of course yeah because I don't know does Robert Stack look like my grandmother or does my grandmother (laughs) look like Robert Stack that's kind of like that's its own unsolved mystery and that will remain (laughs) unsolved but so this show do you think even today it has some relevance definitely still holds a place um in my life i i mean we still watch it to this day yeah um i cheer every time that fucking theme 
hits. Oh, it's still I, so scary. Oh, it still haunts me. That and X-Files yeah. are like these. Speaking of which, if you uh, like the X-Files, be sure to check out episode three of Fake Ritual, the podcast with my buddy, Nick Duarte. It's a good one. X-Files. It is Probably a good one. Probably my favorite. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that's uh, me attempting to be an actual podcast host. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's relevance today. There's so much. It's so trendy now to be into the spooky, into the paranormal, into these mm-hmm. things. There's so many shows for it. But I've yet to see any show come even close to that level of seriousness, fun, actual compelling mystery, while also being like family friendly. They got mm-hmm. some, they got happy ghosts. Yeah, they it's got, not all, they got, it's not all like scary, paranormal, like murdering, exactly. like the lost love. Oh, yes. Stuff yes. that's just like heart wrenching. Yeah, there's always a cry in each episode. Speaking of which, yeah, my grandmother was a crier. I come from a long line of criers. My mother's a crier and I'm a crier. And the show makes me cry, especially when it's. Some old ladies talking about their their husband that disappeared in the war or something. Yeah, like and that. for the time, it was the only the only way to like reach a large audience to like get this kind of work done. You know, like finding. Yeah, that as well. It was a show people, that connecting people. Um, yeah, it had a goal. It actually was looking to solve these mysteries, yes. not just giving you them to entertain, but mm-hmm. to actually uh, do some good in the world. But yeah, I still to this to this day like really enjoy watching that stuff. It gets, it's like thrilling. It's comforting too, in a strange way. Yeah, I don't know why. Somehow it externalizes we... your fears, so you can cope with them. Like yeah, I like the possibility of not knowing what could be out there it is a very similar theme to x-files that razor's edge of like skeptical Mm -hmm. and uh belief yeah that kind of the entire show seems to be have been about the untouchables starring robert stack as elliot Ness. For some reason, I don't know why, I thought there was something more to you. There isn't. You're just like every other hoodlum in those files over there. All they want out of life is a hundred dollar suit and a roll of bills in their pocket. You give any one of them something longer than the menu to read and they'd be lost. You talk to them about God or country, friendship, love, family. You don't even know what you're talking about. All they got are their guns. No hearts, no guts, just guns had anything else, anything, you'd know that whatever you get from that roll of bills in your pocket, you give 20 times as much back right down to your soul. Turn around! Did you ever have a family, Frank? A wife? Child? Maybe that's what it takes to have a soul. Or maybe you haven't got a soul. Maybe you never had one. Aired on NBC in 1987, was originally was originally a series of specials. They were titled "Missing." Have you seen this person? Mm-hmm. So its beginnings weren't even paranormal or supernatural, and it was presented by 
a few different actors, Raymond Burr, Carl Malden, but also Robert Stack. The one and only. The one and only Robert Stack. <laughs> it became a series in 1988 because of the success of the specials, and that series, they Stack must have stood out amongst these other jamokes. Because <laughs> there he was, uh, front and center. This was what at the time was called a news magazine. So not quite journalism, kind of a blend of journalism and entertainment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but ironically, despite Dateline NBC on the same network not having a disclaimer, NBC News asked that Unsolved Mysteries include a disclaimer, which I will read for you now. This was at the beginning of every show read by just some white guy voice. Like, definitely ain't Robert Stack. No, Pretty much but sounds it's memorable. like me. It's still memorable yeah. for whatever reason. So you turn the show on and boom, you're hit with the black screen white font. This program is about unsolved mysteries. Whenever possible, the actual family members and police officials have participated in recreating the events. What you are about to see is not a news broadcast. So well done. They wanted to make sure that nobody thought this was a news broadcast, which is really funny to think because now entertainment news people really can't separate. We're probably the two. solving more crimes in the local news that was honestly, on, yeah, you know, like truly, that's, that's interesting. But so yeah, same time. So this is coming out in the late '80s. So you still got some like leftover satanic panic, mm-hmm. you know, even kind of in the heart of the satanic panic. Not to mention kind of this, you know, uh, popularity of home video. You weren't just catching those at your Saturday matinee. You could, like, pop in mm-hmm. The Exorcist. You could pop in these spooky movies. And I don't know. I'm just, like, Would you say that, guessing. like, spooky, just... mo- like, watching horror movies, that was kind of, like, that became... I mean, before the VCR was readily available and cheap enough for people to put in their own homes you just either waited for a movie to be shown on tv which wasn't all that common yeah or you saw it in theaters and you didn't see it again like that was it you in my opinion this show because it was so real was more scary than watching like totally scary movie totally yeah you know because it's like these people are these murders could still be out there. That yeah. UFO that person saw could be real. And you're seeing these people being interviewed that kind of can't be actors. Mm-hmm. Like, the show was made so endearing for so many reasons. But definitely one of those reasons was the interviews. With yeah. Just like Joe Schmo, you know, like regular people but yeah i'm i mean among this is just kind of a good place to get into what it was that just made this show so worthwhile and a great place to start is that fucking theme song because as we said earlier that song it gets you in the mood it gets you scared you know like as soon as it comes on there's it's nothing else but unsolved mysteries yeah there's no way it could be like oh what i remember like, running like out of the room when that song came on oh, yeah. and then like you know kind of inching my way back mm-hmm. to classic to see what they were talking about 
but you also have, uh, yeah, so you're hit with that theme and then you're hit with that host. We didn't get an, into it enough, but now is the time to talk about Mr. Robert Stack and his spooky yet comforting voice. It's like all it, about the voice. It set the tone for the entire yeah. show. Yeah. Just that deep, smooth. So smooth. So smooth. Like, no other voice is like that. No. And this, it makes sense because he came from voices, a family of voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his, that was interesting his, to... Yeah, his yeah. maternal grandfather, as well as one of his uncles were both opera singers. He somehow inherited that or... I'm sure you know, he like... learned a lot of like how to project, how to be confident, how to like get people's attention using his voice mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. he also was a it probably helped that he was like a rugged as fuck like a true man yeah a man's cowboy. man the like, dude was uh a sportsman mm-hmm. in like the truest sense he played polo in college and was also a skeet shooter you know like so shooting clay pigeons with a fucking shotgun he became like a national champion mm-hmm. at skeet shooting, which very, is just like very handsome man. Very too. handsome too. When you look yeah. back, yeah, he he was a well-respected actor before before the show. Which growing up, I only knew him from the show, yeah. so I was interested to find out that it wasn't some like bone they tossed a you know character actor that you know was like maybe a little past their time. They locked out with Robert Stack. Well, he was hot from what we read, from what we were, you know, researching, that he was hired solely just based on his looks, like his first... Yeah, he... It makes sense because he was known for... His most famous role was in the ABC uh, TV series, The Untouchables, which aired from 1959 to 1963, in which he played Elliot Ness, the man that brought down... Al Capone so he was kind of known for just having like I mean he's like that's a commanding role Mm -hmm. and he is a commanding presence he ended up winning a primetime Emmy Award in 1960 for outstanding performance by an actor in a series so this dude was respected so I also think that really helped the show he's at the helm like and your grandma is probably very familiar with his work and isn't too upset at having to be looking at him. I actually then just dawned on me that know, my grandma was probably what, like, what oh, hug. I like Robert Stack. I liked him in The Untouchables back yeah. in the... I mean, it goes beyond him just being like a looker. Well, know? totally. He just has the presence that like... Yeah. yeah. And he obviously takes his career very seriously. Well, yeah, I wrote down while we were researching, I wrote down, uh, I'm going to look him up here, his the many so the show would always begin in in this and you know made up of like four segments uh four different stories and in between the stories would be robert sack kind of like linking the stories giving you a nice segue or whatever but every time he would be in a different place (laughs) a different spooky weird sometimes like completely nondescript place and almost i wrote down a few always wearing a trench coat almost always wearing a trench coat <laughs> but so, so here's some of the ones i wrote down robert stack locations a church 
a warehouse, a funeral home? Here we go. I wrote down, in a forest wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> I mean, exclamation point on that one. Fog among the trees. Spooky forest, I guess, again. A swamp. And at the ocean, like, it just would be, it kind of held the show together. It gave you this, like, okay, we're dealing with these mysteries, and then we're leaving the mystery, but also, like, here's another mystery. Where the fuck is Robert Stack? I think it makes sense. It's like, these are things that are happening in the world. I'm Robert Stack out in the world. Yeah, I'm living, and... <laughs> I'm among these. I'm among these, yes. Freaks. Uh... But gotta mention, too, just the show, we talked about this a little bit earlier, the show fucking worked. These Some of these unsolved mysteries became solved because of the show. Within Some of them within minutes of airing. That's what they said, which yeah. Which is incredible. Because they would offer updates mm-hmm. in certain episodes to kind of let you know if something did happen with the story. Yeah. And some of the updates would catch me by surprise. I feel like even a recent episode, you're like, oh, there's no way there's an update for this one. And then that noise comes in. It's like, dun, 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 dun. like this kind of newsreel sound that tells you, like, update. You know, like. Well, they... at the time, there wasn't many options for, you know, it was just like, what's on your TV? Yeah. And, and, if, and if that TV show gave you something to do beyond just watching it i Mm -hmm. felt like that was it truly is the heart of the show is and it makes sense the the show eventually it moved to cbs they tried to bring a co-host on to boost female ratings with a female co-host which i don't care male female non-binary you're nobody's robert sack don't put a co-host with my with mr stack (laughs) Then it moved to Lifetime. They had a few more seasons. Robert Stack died. Prostate cancer. Diagnosed 2002. Died. Heart failure. 2003. They tried to re uh, restart the show on Spike TV with episodes hosted by Dennis Farina, another kind of, kind of character actor. But the big complaint with the reboot was or the Spike TV reboot, was that they were only dealing with old cases. They were pretty much just re-editing Robert Stack episodes with a new host. And I could, I totally get it because the original show was all about mysteries currently happening mm-hmm. that you could help solve, which is a perfect time to... Robert Stack would end every episode with a similar, a similar phrase... Something along the lines of, For every mystery, there is someone, somewhere, who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is watching. Perhaps it's you. And I really think that is the heart of the show. What made the show matter? What made it stick around so long? It's powerful. It's powerful, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can fucking solve this. Yeah. Uh, Well, that person could be your neighbor. That person could be... mm -hmm. You never know. Yeah, you're living next door to a psycho. Great. <laughs> David Stone was a highly successful stock market analyst who ran a branch of his father's business in La Jolla, California. 
But about four years ago, David expressed a desire to change his life and became increasingly involved with a New Age movement. The term New Age encompasses a variety of religious beliefs and philosophies that promote self-enlightenment and spiritual growth. Many followers believe that they can tap into a universal energy through the use of crystals, pyramid power, and meditation. But in this case, David Stone's unyielding obsession with a newfound spirituality may have sent him on a journey from which there is no return. Hello, you lost? No, I'm not lost. Well, what are you doing out here? I'm looking for the beast. Not telling me he wasn't going to find the beast out here. He told me he'd find it. Well, I'm going to keep looking. You need a ride somewhere? No, no. I thought it was weird. The stranger was later identified as 29-year-old David Stone. He has not been seen or heard from in two years. Any particular episodes that, or segments, I guess you would call them, that stick out to you as far as dealing with like the spooky ooky and the the uh the nebulous yeah um i mean this is a really popular scary one but the black hope curse Hmm. do you remember this one i don't um like this housing development was built on top of this like african-american cemetery oh like a slave cemetery and um, these people moved in and they're trying to build a pool in their backyard mm-hmm. and like somebody approaches them and they tell them like, hey, before you do this, I should probably tell you, you're going to find some bodies hmm. in your backyard. Very poltergeist. Like yeah. Poltergeist. Yeah. And it's probably what it's based off mm-hmm. of. Um, so they decide that they want to like, before they you know build a pool, they want to dig up the yard a little bit and see if this person is like telling the truth. So they do it and they find two dead bodies in their backyard wearing wedding rings. So they were like husband and wife. That is so unsolved mysteries. Yeah. And the woman was like so horrified that they just like dug up these people's graves. It was so disrespectful that she, they had like a proper like kind of like serve it, like service for them again. And they reburied the bodies and she apologized to them. And she's like, I'm so sorry. We will let you rest in peace. Like she was... Like, very scared, terrified. That's a great, that's actually a great, I say, oh, that's so Unsolved Mysteries, like, kind of in jest. But also, the show did that so much, where it gave you ghosts, but not your standard approach of, like, ghosts, evil. More like these kind of complicated stories, where it wasn't cut and dry, where, you know, like, something like that, where actual respects are being paid to, like, the deceased and yeah. the no, spirits wanted, that they might she... believe uh, reside there. Yeah, and it just turned into this, like, like years of these entities haunting them. Oh, it did. And, like, oh. other neighbors so it didn't as well. Work. It didn't work. No. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I mean, of course not. Well, there's like... that clincher of, like, try as you might, the mysterious, the, the otherworldly. It, it even always... led to people dying. A woman who was trying to um, dig up a grave. She was 30 years old. She was helping her mother because they were trying to prove 
that there were bodies in their backyard because they wanted to like get out of their situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the process of digging up a grave, this 30 year old woman had a massive heart attack and died. Very scary. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of what I, that segment makes me think of what the episode we watched last night, the mm-hmm. Halloween special. Yeah. I think it was from maybe the first, maybe third season. You know, it gets, they kind of blur together. Uh, which the first story featured this story of the gray man. This, mm-hmm. this uh, kind of forlorn ghost that like had, you know, there was this romance mixed in his, he had left a lover behind. But in, in doing so, he had warned her of this approaching hurricane, mm-hmm. like in her dreams. And then miraculously, her home was spared. And subsequent stories have come out of this gray man yeah, like, just... predicting storms and and warning people and protecting people in subsequent like Hurricane Hugo and things like that. And just wandering the beach where he died, mm-hmm. approaching strangers and then just disappearing. Yeah, and that one actually is just like kind of just straightforward, like kind of straightforward, friendly ghost, nice ghost, Good protector. Ghost. I like yeah. that. I don't think any other show, at least from my childhood, fiction, nonfiction, doesn't matter. I never saw anything that kind of like gave you these, like a romantic story. I guess the movie Ghost, but. That's different. This was based in some reality. This has that yeah, this folk is real. tale. This like is a, a folk real tale. story. Yeah. Same episode featured uh, this former stockbroker turned new ager that subsequently wandered into the desert on his spirit journey, which also seemed to be almost a schizophrenic break. Uh, That's what it kind of was alluding to. Yeah, they ended up finding his body, but just the way it was done, they they there's a great sec- segment of Robert Stack describing what the New Age movement is. And then subsequently, all the interviews with the people, nobody knocks his belief like another testament to the show it just treated things with such a plum with such like respect mm-hmm. all these beliefs what whatever you believe no the show wasn't there to be like look at these fucking kooks it was there to be like oh and then that same episode ended with that medium that mm-hmm. that like cried. secreted cried gold cried gold secreted diamonds from her I don't know and, how I feel about that one. But what's interesting is that episode has a lot of, it deals with the people surrounding her and their belief mm-hmm. in her. Yeah. There's a, like a, a cop. A psychiatrist. A, like a, there's a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. a cop, like an investigator, a detective. Yeah, that she actually helped him like solve. Yeah. Solve some crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as like just some other like people that have bought in, but that episode, unlike most of them, seems to all be supernatural uh, phenomena. Whereas the other episodes tended to f- maybe feature one. The other episodes are hitting that fake ritual uh, sweet spot. Oh. A spontaneous human combustion. Okay, I remember this one. So scary. These people just, like, go up in flames. Yeah. And die. Like, mm-hmm. 
this is something that has been happening for like 500 years or something they mentioned of oh, like really? being able to like find people like everything else is still intact but like where their body was is like completely disintegrated ah. it's just like their body and like a few bones and yeah like ashes yeah just the idea of like oops like i'm like what caused it I'm a cinder like why now. did they turn into a a ball of flames. Yeah. That's crazy. One that I really enjoyed was the 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 Kecksburg UFO. Yes. A, uh, I also, me and Mary talked about this in episode one, Enlightened Aliens. Go back and check that out if you're feeling it. But yeah, Kecksburg, we visited this this prop that they used, this UFO that, that came down and Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. uh, the acorn. It looked like an acorn with these symbols on it. Uh, and the, a bunch of like government people showed up mm -hmm. and like told them nothing to see here. You know, she loaded it up and shipped it out. And then the town was like, uh, can we at least keep that prop? <laughs> uh yeah, it's pretty cool. You can like go and get a photo. And yeah, it's just like it. in the middle of a gravel lot. Like, parking lot. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool though. Uh, and the talking heads in that one, the the people being interviewed are just so Western PA. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's really great. And they all, it's a very compelling story as well. I mean, something happened. These people aren't lying. I mean, That's who makes up, you can't make that up. An acorn with like, you yeah, know, that's ancient true. Ancient script yeah. mm -hmm. written on like why would they make that up? Like multiple people. Yeah, and then we also watched that one regarding the live action role playing uh, dude that oh, got murdered, Dungeons and they and yeah they were trying to blame it on like his pagan like priest or whatever. It was another one that. Well, they like, found him. The way he died was just so mysterious. They found him, like, on the beach. But, yeah, that one was cool, too. Just, like, kind of a little bit of satanic panic mixed in there again. Definitely. But, and that brings it to the one you watched today, which I heard a little bit of, which sounds fucking crazy, about the vampire cult. Yeah. Well, Tell that's... us about the vampire cult. Well, that's in season nine, which season nine is a doozy. It's not all like a cult, you know, themed, but there is, I'll just start with the Tupac Shakur death, Kurt Cobain, the birth charts of multiple serial killers. That's cool. I bet the, they're all cancers. <laughs> you're a cancer. I know. <laughs> No, it's very interesting. They go over the birth charts and like why, because, you know, they were born at this time and like what placements in their mm. chart led them to possibly be the way they are. Yeah. That and then the hu the spontaneous human combustion is in season nine and then the vampire cult, which is, was just uh, a few kids who were a part of this like vampire club and they kind of took it a little too far. And cool. there were... There was a, this girl's mother and father were like murdered in the process and it was like linked back to this vampire cult. Their daughter like ran away and like became a part of this cult and 
these vampires got involved and that's so wacky yeah just again the show like covered when it said mysteries it really meant all mysteries Another one that comes to mind from my childhood is the Tallman House Haunted Bunk Bed. Do you remember this one? No. This family, like, moves into their dream house with their two kids, and they buy this bunk bed that is haunted. And, like, all these, like, crazy things happen to them after they, like, buy this bunk bed. Mm. And they, like, like, the kids see these people who are, like, you know made out of fire oh and like the dad comes home from work and he sees that his like garage is on fire and like but it wasn't no they were just like seeing things and whoa that's crazy yeah yeah well listeners these are all on youtube uh just have a marathon (laughs) honestly because you will not be disappointed. And it's about as fake as rituals get. I do want to mention, uh, you know, you watch the show and you it covers all these strange topics. And it leaves you wondering, what does Robert Stack believe? And I happened upon an interesting article ri- written by John E.L. Tenney. Uh, he has his own website, but he used to work on the show. And... Eventually, it was in the early 90s, he he mustered up the courage to ask Robert Stack, what do you believe? And he summarizes, so these aren't direct quotes from Robert Stack, but uh, Robert Stack relayed to him, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, my parents would hold seances. They had a man, a very impressive individual, who would come over and preside over the seances. He was like a yogi, a mystic. He could make things move and rattle and levitate. I saw these things happen with my own eyes. So yes, I believe in I believe in some of those things. ESP, telekinesis. There was also a time when my wife went to see a psychic. This was about a year before she met me, and the psychic told her that she was going to meet and marry someone who looked like Robert Stack. Well, she did. Uh, no way. That's uh, according to this this uh, former employee, former uh That's amazing. Yeah, and I just thought that was interesting to find out that Robert Stack, he wasn't a complete stick in the mud. He had some, uh, you know, more uh, far-out ideas than you would think with such a rugged man's man Mm -hmm. Republican. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank you for being on the show. Yeah, it's good uh, to be here. It's good to be a part of... I get to see so much of the behind the scenes. You do, and now you are behind the scenes. Now you're in it. Yeah. Living it. It's fun. Uh, was there any way that the loyal fakers can find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, I guess. Uh, Rust underscore Moss. I do freelance floral design. Um, yeah, do some gardening, things like that. Cool. Yeah, kind of, kind of a hermit too. So. Yeah, aren't sorry. we all? Yeah. At this time. At this time. Well, cool. Uh, uh, well, yeah. Thanks again for coming on. And thanks for having me. To you fakers out there, uh, mysteries abound. Keep. Keep your eyes peeled and 
Maybe you could help solve a mystery. Bye. final thank you to Erica for both her insight as well as her patience during this episode. Fake Ritual is recorded and produced by me, Lucas Sloppy. This episode's music was provided by last episode's guest, Johnny Arlett. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Fake Ritual and on Twitter at Fake Ritual Blog. Please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to be on the show, want to collaborate on a project, or just want to proclaim your seething hatred of rituals, real or fake, you can email us at fake.ritual.inc at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and fake blessings unto you all. Ta-ta. If you have any information regarding the cases presented tonight, please call 1-800-876-5353. If you wish, you need not give your name. 1-800-876-5353.